Touchdown! Hey everyone, I'm Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone. I'm CNN's Coy Wire and former NFL player. Hi, I'm Nat Coombs. I'm Michael McGuire from Gridiron. I'm Toast Sports' Will Gavin. If you want to see the best in the NFL, check out Decipher Sport. Check out Decipher Sports. Check out Decipher Sport. Check out Decipher Sport. Check out Decipher Sport. I'm Neil Reynolds, and this is the Decipher Handoff. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Decipher Handoff, a brand new show uh, bringing fans of the NFL closer to this great sport across uh, our British fans, our fans in Germany, uh, and the fans who are growing throughout Europe. Um, And uh, we're going to talk every month. We'll get together once a month uh, to talk about all the big international storylines, all the talking points uh, from around the NFL. I'm your host, Neil Reynolds. Joining me uh, this week is a man who's now making his name on CNN, but he started out as a linebacker. Uh, with the Buffalo Bills and the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Koi Wire. And Koi, it's going to be fun to discuss the international growth of the NFL. Neil, I'm fortunate to be here with you. I'm a bit jealous because I know you've been to some of these international games. I have not yet been able to experience one. Um, But I love that you are calling attention to them because I know I'm excited about the growth of the game. Yeah, over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll recap the NFL International Series, which saw games played in London, Munich and Mexico City. We'll chat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers trip to London. The Jaguars return to Wembley. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers taking Munich by storm, all tying into how America's game is truly becoming the global game. And before we round off uh, today's show, we'll also get Coy's picks uh, for the Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year coach, uh, and that all-important Super Bowl champion. But uh, first, Coy, why don't we start with um, you know, your NFL fandom, and I assume you were a, a fan of the game before you could even dream about playing sport. This is true. Uh, before I even had a choice, you know, when I was a baby first brought home from the hospital, my parents put me in a Pittsburgh Steelers onesie. Uh, I grew <laughs> up in Pennsylvania, where football is like religion, uh, a football hotbed. And uh, really, by the time I was six or seven years old, Neil, I knew that I wanted to play in the NFL. I was fortunate to have the Washington team. They would have training camp in my hometown um, where I had where I played peewee football. It's called, you know, six, Mm -hmm. seven years old. And uh, their Washington players are coming. Doug Williams, Daryl Green. All these guys coming to have their training camp in the preseason right there. And our uniforms match their uniforms. I mean, so I literally wanted to be just like them. And um, that's kind of where my my journey began. What was it like being a linebacker in the NFL in the heat of battle every Sunday? It was like the most exhilarating car ride you've ever been in. But at the end of every play, your car crashes into a brick wall. <laughs> um, you know, I was never the biggest, fastest or strongest. Um, took a lot of big hits over the years, gave a lot of big hits. I have a titanium plate and four screws in my neck to prove it. Um, but, you know, it's part of the game that you love. It's so unique. It's not like anything else. Um, and it really was a privilege and a pleasure to play in the NFL. Dream come true as I told you, uh, but so few people here in the United States ever actually make it, even the highest levels at the collegiate level, so few get that opportunity. So to be one of the select few that got to be able to to see my dream out and, and play for nine years in the NFL, it was a blessing. How far into your NFL career did you start to think about what might be next? And 
transitioning into the role i mean maybe you didn't ever dream you'd be at cnn doing what you're doing now but did you start yeah. to put one eye on the media start to map out your life after football at first no you know i was um living my dream and i didn't want it ever to ever end but then at the end of my sixth season when i had my crew my season ending injury my you know my my arm went numb. I got hit by a 330 pound lineman right on the top of my head. And that's when I had my neck injury and I had the neck surgery, had the plate, four screws put in my neck. I thought my career was over. And it wasn't until then that I really started to think about this dream is going to end. Um, now I was fortunate enough to get one more opportunity to go back and play. I went from the Buffalo Bills to the Atlanta Falcons and I was able to play three more years after that. And I, I did start to lightly think about what else I could do, but it was still all in and you have to be to play at that level, right? You can't be thinking about right. too much outside of your passion. Um, so Neil, when my career did end after nine seasons, I still struggled. Um, there was a year that was a lot of mental, emotional torment. I was waking up in the middle of the night with, you know, feeling like, uh, uh, I, I didn't know what was happening. Am I having like a heart attack? My, my heart's racing. I'm, my, my arms are numb again. Am I having like, what's going on? And my wife said, you know, she had a psychology degree and she told me you're having panic attacks. You're, mm -hmm. you're having anxiety. And she was right. Um, so it wasn't until I found a new passion that I started to feel okay again. And the media really just kind of happened to me. I started as, a, as an analyst, got some opportunities to talk football, calling football games at the collegiate level. And then I got to go and be in the studio doing pregame shows, halftime shows, postgame shows. And that kind of led me for a few years to where I am now at CNN, where I'm talking all sports and not so much X's and O's anymore. Just, uh, you know, we're not a sports network, obviously. So I get to talk about the stuff I love, which is the inspiration, the motivation that we can see through athletes and teams that can inspire us uh, in whatever walk of life we may be. So, and, and one of those storylines that's developing year on year is the international growth of the NFL. We'll get to that in a second, but one more question on your playing career. So maybe as a rookie, you're thrown into the starting lineup and you're there and you know, you're in the heat of the moment and you're playing, which was scarier that, or your first time you had to do live TV and the red light went on? <laughs> well, the first time I went to an NFL game, Neil, believe it or not, that uh, that I played, the first time I went to an NFL game was the one I played in. I had never oh, wow. even seen an NFL game in person. And um, so it was, a, I was crying, bawling tears uh, on the sidelines during the national anthem. Thankfully, that didn't happen my first time on TV. Um, but <laughs> I tell you, the first time that I got on air here at CNN when I had to read a teleprompter and my mind has been I think I was more nervous for right. that to be honest than I out was. of my comfort zone yeah and then you don't have 10 of your teammates out there on the field with you or in the studio you're all by yourself and those lights come on Woo! they're not mess up <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, the international growth then of the NFL let's start with the NFL London games uh, and this year we uh, completed the set uh, with the Green Bay Packers playing here. Um, what's your view of the games uh, from the state side? What's the, the general view from the media as they look towards London? I love the idea of the globalization of the game. Even as a player, I had started to hear about, you know, 
how they were really going to push for that. And, and I've seen it grow to now where there's multiple games every year and still growing. Um, you know, I liken it to uh, how soccer is really starting to grow here in the U.S. At a, at a rapid pace. And we're seeing it even more now with the World Cup. But, you know, the globalization of the beautiful game, you know, coming over here to the States. And I love that the NFL is doing the same, bringing that beautiful game overseas and and into Mexico as well. It's a fascinating sport. There are so many moving parts and such strategy that goes behind it. But then there's that added dynamic of the the violence and the the huge collisions. And um, it's just so unique and unlike anything else. But, you know, through the game, I love how it can inspire and uplift. And it's the ultimate team game, right? And so you really see at least here in the States, my favorite part is how the sport brings people together. You know, they say that the most unified people can be from all walks of life is that NFL kickoff on a Sunday. You'll see people from all walks of life, socioeconomic status, race, religion, doesn't matter. You're high-fiving, you're hugging, you're coming together. And I know soccer is, is very much the same, but I'm, I'm loving that we have another opportunity to share that aspect of the game overseas and in Mexico. Yeah, I think I think soccer's that way in in the World Cup time. I mean, it's very it can be very tribal at times, you know. And there's there's contrasting fans, especially in the UK. But I think the good thing about the London games, the great thing is that your families are there, and as you kind of alluded to, that you'll see all 32 jerseys, you know. And this year we completed all 32 teams, and that was a special moment to have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers there. Um, you know, because you, you're witnessing a historic great. And who would have thought when we started playing a regular season game in London in 2007, 15 years later, we'll have had the entire league come through and play a regular season game in London. It really has been. I feel like as a journalist covering it, it's quite a historic time. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, and, and you even hear how incredible it is for the players. You know, Tom Brady talked about the 3 million people reported who were hoping to get in to see that game, but only 60 some thousand were able to get in. And, and that meant a lot to him. That's going to be a lifelong memory that the greatest of all time, Tom Brady even is going to leave a huge impression on him as much so as it leaves an impression on the fans and, and journalists as well who get to cover those games. Yeah. I was at that game in Munich and it was, it was just, again, I think when you're covering something as a, as a journalist, you feel like if you're witnessing a part of history, um, I think you feel like it adds to the story, of course. It, it gives mm. you a little bit more juice when you're covering it and presenting. And obviously Munich had Tom Brady, which was all the selling point you needed. But with it being the first game, Koi, I'd covered NFL Europe games uh, back in the day in Germany, and the fan base was incredible. And you talk about coming together. Uh, at the two-minute warning, the entire stadium, 70,000 people singing Take Me Home Country Roads. Right? And that was yeah. just... It was just beautiful. It was just like, this is sport. This is like, a you know, they say football is family. I mean, I actually bought it that day. I bought that tagline. <laughs> what what did what was your reaction? Did you get goosebumps or what? I was, we were live. So we were, we on Sky Sports NFL, where I, I present, we fill all of the commercial breaks or, or two thirds of the commercial breaks. I had to stop. We were outside on a gantry. I had to stop and just say, look at this. They had all the torches were on the phones and I didn't want to just carry on talking over it. So we just sort of turned and acknowledged it. And I just had to take it in for a moment. You know, just, you had to become a fan like everyone else and just experience it and watch it. Um, 
yeah, it was really special. And, and the fact that Tom Brady, who's who's won a lot of Super Bowls, seven Super Bowls, and he's played in 10 of them, um, said that was one of the greatest nights of his life. I think that speaks volumes. Um, I, I envy you. I'm going to get you over. How would you have, um, how do you think as a player, how you would prepare um, for an international game? What would have been the most, uh, what would have been the most important things for you? And what do you think are the most important things for the teams that come over? You know, I don't know that I would have played very well that week. I would have been <laughs> wanting to bring my family. I would have been wanting to get out and soak in the culture and meet the people and, Oh, man, it would be really tough to be focused. Um, but that's the key, right, um, that, 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 that these players are up against. They have the added physical challenges of the travel. Mm. Um, you know, the bodies are beaten and, and you're not getting your normal rest. You're not sleeping in your own bed. Um, all those things add up and take a physical toll on you. I mean, one thing, Neil, you know, our, our trainers would tell us when we go on a, on a cross-country flight, on a three-, four-hour flight, here in the States, they would tell us to drink one 20 ounce bottle of Gatorade per hour in the air. Hmm. And so you think about how many Gatorades you'd have to just chug on your way on a, on a international flight like that. So what they're up against physically, that would be a, a huge challenge, but then the mental aspect as well, it would be <clears throat> really cool to, to hmm. experience that never did. Maybe I will as a journalist and I'll make sure I'm well hydrated uh, when I come to see you because uh, maybe we'll be doing some drinking some beers and de dehydrating ourselves once I finally get there. There we go. I think we had, I think this this international series ticked all the all of the boxes because we had Justin Jefferson doing the gritty for the Minnesota Vikings Ooh. and everything you want everything everyone wanted to see. You know, they they got, you know, they didn't get the Green Bay Packers win, but they saw Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdown passes in London. The Giants are such an iconic team uh, as well. The Jaguars returned uh, to Wembley Stadium, and that was fantastic. And, um, you know, Tom Brady and then the 49ers offensive players put on an absolute show in Mexico City. Um, interesting, Coy, as well, how these teams now can market themselves in Mexico, in the UK, in Germany. And all these teams are starting to cherry-pick these markets, and they're doing a lot of activity now, which, again, it just makes it more real, doesn't it, rather than just coming in, play a game, and disappear again. Yeah, I think, you know, when you go there and you see all your jerseys and you you have fans, there are there are passionate fans in, in, in Europe and in Mexico, as we know. And so it, it's just really special to be able to connect in that way um, as a player to go there. Um, but I think this is all going to add up to many more games, maybe per year being played there, maybe a team being based in an international city. Um I think that's all to come. And uh, this is all just the very beginning and it's already exciting. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that, about the, um, you know, the commissioner said to me in the, in the, around the Giants and Packers game that they're actually going to explore a division in Europe. And I wonder, as like you say, you work for a news channel, so you're looking for those news angles uh, all the time. I mean, this is only going one way, right? I mean, if it doesn't, it may not reach the heights of a division or a franchise. But games aren't going to get reduced here, are they? I mean, this is still growing and growing. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's inevitable. Um, you know, I, and having a whole division in a in a city overseas or in Mexico that makes sense because now you really cut down the travel. Mm -hmm. It's smart uh, strategically. Um, but you know, I 
I can't wait to see who it is. I'm personally curious, uh, Neil, for you, if there were just one team that's going to be based in your city, who do you want and why? Well, I think it naturally, I think it would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it's going okay. to be a relocation and the Jags are quite invested already. Um, I could watch Trevor Lawrence eight times a year. I'm quite He's into that. Really <laughs> exciting. I'm really jealous of his hair. He's got the best hair in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, me too. So I, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would, I would definitely appreciate a little bit of that. But um, yeah, and now think, Doug Peterson's got them moving in the right direction. I like yeah. that. I think they would. I think you know, if there it was ever ever a team here, they get out into the schools and they get the flag football programs going. All of that stuff, which the Jags do with their Jag tag. Um, you know, I think they'd, they'd soon grow a new fan base but, and then they'd be uh, all the people that are here as well. People would start to transition over. Not everyone, I'm sure. They've got their their fans of certain teams yeah. and I hear that all the time. But as new fans came in, they would be, well, the Jags play here or they play there. I'm going to go and watch them. Yeah. I, and, and I like to think about, too, all of the talent that there is athletically worldwide and, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people who may be the best football players we've ever seen they just have never played because they didn't grow up with like i did a team having training camp in their hometown but if you have a team based over there now now you have these youngsters from all over europe and beyond aspiring to be an nfl player and now you're pulling from a a worldwide pool Mm. of talent Ooh, that competition in the NFL. I'm glad that my playing days are over. Yeah, the, yeah, those competition for places would be uh, pretty intense. All right, yeah. Coy, we're going to put you on the spot. On the spot now, we're going to uh, ask for your picks. Uh, I'm going to leave Super Bowl champion till the end. Let's 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 tease in reverse order here. Um, so, uh, coach of the year, who who's impressed you the most so far? Um, I'm impressed with the coach because I'm impressed by his team, Nick Sirianni and the Mm. Philadelphia Eagles have just exceeded any expectations for them this season. They only had nine wins last season. They already have 10 this season. They're 10 and one best record in the NFL. And Nick Sirianni is only in his second season as a head coach. He has a young quarterback, Jalen Hurts, and the things he's doing with them and the way he has them playing and united, it's, it's so impressive for a young coach with a young quarterback who's the leader of the team. Um, to be handling themselves the way they are. They look pretty darn impressive. Mm. And uh, so Nick Sirianna for me is coach of the year. All right. Uh, let's move on to your offensive player. How should we do this? Should we, uh, no, actually, let's do league MVP because the MVP tends to go to a quarterback and then we'll do offensive and defensive play. So let's do uh, your MVP. I'm going to guess it's a quarterback. Maybe it's not. You tell me. <laughs> what, are you, what is your guess? I'm curious. Uh, I would go, uh, I think a safe bet right now would be Patrick Mahomes. You got it. I'm really tempted to say Josh Allen because yeah. I love my Buffalo Bills. I played six seasons there yeah. and he's incredible. He, is. he has that elbow injury and he's not mm. been quite the same. And you just have to play week in and week out, lights out. And that has been Patrick Mahomes, 3,500 plus yards passing, leading the league. He's leading the league with 20 nine touchdowns i believe Mm -hmm. now as well but leading in both categories so um and the fact that he's doing it this year neil as you know he doesn't have the cheetah tyreek hill Mm. his receiver his deep threat but he's still pulling off these incredible performances his combination with their head coach andy Reid, who's one Mm. of the just most ingenious play callers in nfl history those two together scary 
Yeah, they are. They certainly dial up lots of challenges, especially down near the goal line. I mean, it's almost... You, I know you would never oh, give up fine. on defence. I know you'd never give up on defence, but you almost might as well because they dial up yeah. motions and end arounds. Go ahead, yeah. Go. yeah, exactly. We're just getting Don't make me look silly. Um, <laughs> offensive player of the year then. So uh, who's, I guess, the next best uh, the offensive player that you really have been impressed with? Well, you threw me for a bit of a curveball because, yeah, that is usually the same person, right? Um, right. But I'll give you someone different. And I'll give you a different mm. position because I am kind of tired of quarterbacks always nice. winning it. Good. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs, uh, running back for mm -hmm. the Vegas Raiders. He is playing in a contract year, meaning um, he was hoping uh, to get a new deal, but they said no. So he knows that after this season, he's a free agent. So he is just playing for that money. We call it motivation. It's um, <laughs> quite the motivation. And, you know, I've met him in person, Neil. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm only about six foot tall. He's much shorter than I am, but he's got a big heart. He is tough as nails. He's playing through injuries. I like him. He's uh, He's an awesome player. He uh, stiff-armed Al Woods last week, who's a 320-pound defensive lineman. Stiff-armed him to the ground on the way to another big run. He had over 300 yards from scrimmage. Uh, it was incredible. You shouldn't be able to, make, to do that. To, to, to make a 320-pound man look like, like, like a cupcake, just swatting a cupcake to the side. No, that's, no. that's impressive. Uh, your defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year, um, no question, is, is Micah Parsons. Mm. For the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. He is what we all know as a game changer. Anytime yeah. he's on the field, he's second in the league in sacks. I believe he has 12 of them. Um, but he's changing the game. He's changing, uh, making offensive, uh, offensive coordinators that he's playing against have to change their game plan and change their entire script just because of him. Um, I think he'll run away with defensive player of the year. Coy, you play linebacker. So you know how much work it takes to get to the NFL and to last as long as you did and then play one position. Micah Parsons will play off the ball linebacker on the edge. He'll play inside linebacker. They'll sometimes put him down a nose tackle and mostly this season they've rushed him off the edge. How, and I figure if he picked one of those positions, he'd still be an all pro at just right. one of them. How right. tough is that? Because now we're kind of getting used to saying, oh, he goes here, he goes there. But in reality, how tough is what he's doing? It's really tough. And, you know, I got drafted as a safety. I'd never played def a defensive back in my life, but I played that for six years. Then they switched me to linebacker. And just doing those two things, I mean, it, it's – you think about just the angles from which you see each play. You know, mm. when, when you're standing off the ball, you have kind of like this panoramic view of everything going on around you. For some people, that's great, but other people, they have a tough time, com you know, computing all of this information. And then you go up on the line and now you're seeing tunnel vision more. It's like more you and this 300 plus pound behemoth right across from you. And it's a whole different skill set because you're going to have to be in a sumo wrestling match with him on your way to the ball carrier. So for him to be this transformer, like a chameleon that can adapt mm. to any circumstance, that his defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who's also outstanding, by the way, that he's putting him in, um, it just shows his football genius and his athletic uh, you know, prowess. It's off the charts. All right. This is the big one, Coy. Last one. It just says here Super Bowl champion, but I'm going to get greedy. Do you have a Super Bowl matchup, then a champion? I do. 
Good. And, <laughs> you know, I, it, it shouldn't be hard to figure out who I want from the AFC. I played six years in Buffalo. It is time for the Buffalo Bills to get back to the big show. But Bills Mafia and all their fans deserve it. They've earned it. They're going to rock that stadium. So they will be there representing the AFC. And on the NFC side, it pains me to say, because I grew up uh, learning to dislike this team. And they're not one of the favorites to make it. But I think this could be the year. The Dallas Cowboys. Look out. Why, Neil? Because defense wins championships. And All they right. are rocking. They're scary good. You get Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott clicking on offense at the right time. Dallas Schultz, their tight ends, picking it up. I think they're going to sneak up and, and, and edge out those Eagles on the NFC to make it. So, Coy, are you going to break Buffalo Bills fans' hearts here with your prediction? Because the Bills, of course, in the early 1990s, they lost four straight Super Bowls. Imagine that. They got up off the mat every time, went back to the Super Bowl the following year. The last two of those losses came in back-to-back seasons against the Dallas Cowboys. Did the Buffalo Bills get their revenge? You know, Neil... We started this off really well, but you had to bring that up. It's too soon, my friend. All that pain, all that hurt. Oh, the years of agony. And then I, as a player, had to go there and feel like we're playing. Are we cursed? What is happening here? Well, it is time for the Bills. They have certainly got the curse off of them. They're playing lights out for several years now. They've got a good thing going, and this is the year. They will circle the wagons and Let's go Buffalo. Chicken wings for everyone. Buffalo wings for everybody. The Bills are going to be Super Bowl champs. I love me some Josh Allen. I can live with that. I can live with that as the Super Bowl champion. Um, Corey, this has been fantastic to talk to you about uh, your journey, uh, your picks for this season, and uh, the international growth of the NFL, which, of course, is so uh, exciting. We'd like to thank you for uh, checking out this first episode. Uh, please uh, check out the Decipher Handoff podcast. Again, we'll be back in January. Uh, you can follow us uh, at Decipher Sport. I'm going to give you all of the social handles here, but I'm going to have to check them because there's a lot now. There's a lot these kids use. Uh, you can keep across uh, Decipher Sport on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok for all your daily content. Uh, again, my thanks to Koi Wire. Uh, thank you, everyone, and enjoy the holidays.